going out of business. Um, I heard it on um, ESPN on, uh, what was that, it was Friday morning. Um, they were talking about Twinkies. Um, I can tell you the honest truth, I haven't had Twinkie for years and years and years and years. So, um, actually, there were none available. I looked for them. I saw boxes of them on eBay were selling for $60 for a stupid box of Twinkies. I'm serious. Within hours after the store sold out. But, the hostess made some really bad stuff. I mean, Twinkies weren't so great. The little um, ding-dongs, um, the little snowball things with the... I don't like coconut. Those things are just nasty. Um, but they did have two things that I wanted to bring that are important that will maybe not be available. Um, one is uh, cherry fruit pies. Um, they were still available because people just do not understand how important these things are. You can eat four in a day, get all the calories you need for one day. So um, it's a diet that works. I recommend it. Um, these are the kind of things, if you bite into them, your teeth tingle, you know, that's, it's, just, it's just good. So, I, you might be able to sell these and make some money, but I have two here, and if someone is daring and willing enough to come along with me and say, I would love one of those, I'll take it. Anybody want one? Man, do you want one? You wouldn't eat it. You're a doctor, you know better. So, there, see, look at that, I love that. See, there we go. There we go. I will be honest, I am, I, am a, uh, um, I am not a man because I will eat those when my wife is not around. So when she's gone, I, I sneak those and I eat them. Uh, you may have not known, but Wonder Bread is also owned by Hostess. And um, so this will come to a possible end. I'll tell you, there's, when I take Wonder Bread, put peanut butter and jelly on it, I am like eight years old all over again. It is wonderful. It's just, it's just, you can take it and wad it up and make a little ball. And, it, and throw it, and you can hurt people with it. You got your brothers and sisters, it's very great. So does anybody want to enjoy a last loaf of Wonder Bread? It does make good Christmas. It does. You can do anything with it. So, anybody? You guys, I'm just so disappointed. <laughs> yes, I'll say it for myself. So, anyways. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> Interesting times we live in, so, um, anyways. Well, we are in Ephesians chapter 6 um, tonight, and we are going to cover the last verses. Um, um, I was trying to think as I looked through these a couple weeks ago, because I had some other people speaking, um, I looked at the last verse and I thought, oh, God, the end of the letter. Um, it's never very exciting, you know? You read it, it's like the same thing Paul says in all the end of his letters. So I thought about going back and reviewing um, what we had done over the course of the book and kind of bring out the highlights. And, um, and then I thought, well, should we do that? And I wasn't real crazy about it and I was real excited about it. And then I began to think about the fact that we've spent, um, we have spent 25 weeks in this book, um, in the book Ephesians. And you think, now who would spend 25 weeks in a book that's like, in my Bible, it's only four pages, um, <laughs> That was written like 2,000 years ago. Who would do that? Well, we do that um, because because we believe that the very words. Terry, should I step back or? Hmm. Is it okay now? Better? Not really. If you have trouble, tell me to use the other mic, and I will. Um, we do it because we at the Vineyard believe that we have God's very words 
that were written to a group of people that understood it, and yet they've been brought to us, and the Holy Spirit somehow takes it and brings it alive in us and makes a change to us. Um, and so as I looked at that, I thought, you know what? It's, the whole book's inspired. Now, the last six verses don't just get cut off and go, this is just like salutations and greetings, and we're all done with it, but there's something here. Um, so that's, I decided, let's just finish the book, and let's go through, go through the verses that are there. This is God's breathed words to us. And so far in this book, we have heard things like being blessed, chosen, blameless, adopted, we're loved, redeemed, made alive, we're brought near, we're his workmanship, we're citizens, we've been fitted together, filled up, we're righteous, held together, we're equipped, we're gifted, we're supposed to be singing, we're connected, we're supposed to be submitted, sacrificing, we're supposed to be, it says that we have incorruptible love, all these things as God's word breathes truth and life and calling into the moments of our day. And so I thought, the verses here do the same thing. They're called and, and available and ready to do the, exactly the same thing into our life um, tonight. So go ahead and stand with me. I'm going to read the closing of this book. I'm going to begin with verse 18 of Ephesians chapter 6. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. Father, take your word um, And even these things that seem so familiar, and just a tag on at the end of the book, and that in some ways for me, they just kind of sit there. Um, they are your words for us tonight. So breathe life into them, and work them into our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. So the book, the uh, verse starts. It says, with all prayer and petition. With all prayer and petition. The key word here is with. Actually, and it's going to talk about prayer. Those are the two places it's going. The with means the things before, you do those things in a certain manner. And what came right before it was talking about putting on the armor of God and standing up against uh, the, the, uh, the work of the devil in us as, as, um, in the world that, that John shared about. As we do so, we're supposed to do it in a certain manner with prayer. And actually, the word with actually speaks back to the entire rest of the book, I believe, in the sense that, when we looked at those first three chapters, we looked at what God has done to us and, and created us and made it in our whole being who we are in Christ. And that was supposed to be the basis by which acts and life began to flow out. And really, at the very end of this book, he's saying, if you're going to do that, if you're going to experience that, you're going to um, receive it, you're going to embrace it, and it's going to have an effect on your life, it's got to be tied with the things I'm going to share here. He says it's tied with praying and petitioning. Um, the implication is that if we don't get this part about the praying and petitioning, the earlier parts of the book don't get fleshed out in our life. So it's, it's all connected 
um, to be together. All that we've been called to do, all that we're encouraged to embrace and receive and remember must, according to verse 18, be surrounded by prayer and petition. In other words, we can only live it out in the context of lives that are marked by prayer. Uh, as he says here, we need the Lord and one another. And actually, he's going to go on here to say we're supposed to pray for all the saints. And this, this verse is really going to be talking about, we'll see, that has to do with community as well. So what is praying? Before we look at what he says, what does it mean to pray? Um, and I think, and I, I'm just making this up, but, um, I grew up thinking praying is you sit down, we close your eyes, and we go through a list. So we check off the list and um, I can only do that for so long, quite honestly. I just, I just really kind of die with that. Um, praying is, uh, is just a turning of our attention to God. It's just taking our life and placing it into God's hands over and over again, which is why Paul can say, pray without ceasing. Praying without ceasing means I have an attitude all the time, and I'm just bringing my life before him. I'm just bringing it before him. It may just be something in my mind, in my heart, I'm just constantly either taking my life or bringing other people's lives and just bringing before God again and again. It's just a turning of my own heart and my own mind over into the hands of a God. It's an act of dependence. Of praying is just being dependent on God. So I don't call for help until I need help, which um, we will push that as far as we go. So praying, when we turn it over to God, we're just saying, I can't do it. That's all it is. And it's an act of dependence, which actually takes us back to the very beginning of the book, that all the things that we receive in Christ in Ephesians are all things that he has done for us. And so we're dependent on him to accomplish on our behalf. So um, praying is just um, bringing the Lord into our moments, inviting him into the middle of it. And as we do so, we bring others before him as well. So here he's in his book, this, this incredible book of Ephesians. Um, he's about to close it. It's his last chance to say something to this group of beloved people. And what's he going to talk about? I mean, he's got his last moment. This is the last thing I'm going to say to them. He's going to talk about prayer. And he's actually going to talk about prayer in the context of one another. Prayer in the context of community. And that made me realize why I didn't want to teach on this tonight. Because um, I struggle with both prayer and I struggle with community. These are just both parts that don't come easily for me. The constantly turning over to God, those things, as well as the, um, the issue of just connecting with one another. And yet here's what Paul does is he brings um, both of these things uh, to bear in here in this thing. So the key um, of prayer and the key of community, I believe, because he puts it at the end here, are what will unlock to us all the things that we've looked so far. So everything that we've been looking at through Ephesians gets unlocked in lives marked by prayer and in lives that are marked by connectivity to each other. So that's where we're going um, this morning. Is this mic working, Terry? Okay, good. I can hear myself, so I'm okay. Um, so three things. Three things that he's going to bring out here, and we're just going to walk through. The first one is that we experience community as we pray. We experience community as we pray. It says here, with all prayer and petition, he says, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Let me read it again. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view. In other words, as you do so, you are on the alert with perseverance and petition for all the saints. So three things here, and they have to do with community. First, he says you are to pray at all times. Pray at all times. At all times. He just says the word all like three or four times in this section here. 
It says pray at all times. Um, all he's saying is as we move through the Christian life and try to flesh it out and figure out what it looks like, he wants us to be a constantly bringing it back to him over and over again. Just bring it before him. Bring the moments before him again and again and again and again. And we don't have to stop and um, close our eyes and pray. It's just an attitude of bringing the Lord in the middle of it over and over again. And we can all do that all the time. It's just an ongoing shaping of an attitude that's always bring God into the moments of our day. So he says, pray at all times. I'm keeping it in mind. He says, pray in the Spirit. Pray at all times and pray at all times in the Spirit. Um, and I look at that as the, the Spirit kind of translates our prayers. He takes the cares of my heart, which some of them I'm not even sure what's going on with that. Um, I'm not sure why something came to mind, but the Holy Spirit takes those things. And even when I can't, I don't put words to it because I'm talking with somebody else at the moment and my mind's going to something, the Holy Spirit takes those things and brings them before the throne. Um, I've, I've shared with Cameron a couple of times. I've woken up in the middle of the night and been restless and couldn't sleep. And it's come to my mind, pray for Cameron tonight. And I prayed for him. And the next morning he said, his worship, he was going to be leading worship. He said, I wish somebody had been praying for me. I said, I was praying for you last night, like at one in the morning. And it's like, I don't know where that came from. It just, I, and I didn't even pray anything specific. It just, Amen. God, take care of Cameron. Just whatever's going on, take, take, just bring people into God's presence. And the Holy Spirit brings things to our mind and um, enables us just kind of guides us for what we're supposed to pray about. Um, I don't know about you guys, and this is true when I was a little kid, but this is true as a, as a pastor who's in his 50s. When I start closing my eyes and praying, my mind just goes. It just, it just goes everywhere. Um, and a number of years ago, um, I decided, you know what? The way I'm going to pray is I'm just going to go wherever my mind goes. Wherever my mind goes, that's what I'm going to pray about. So wherever it starts wandering off to, rather than fighting all the time, which it just became this fight, I'm just going to go, okay, stop thinking about dinner. I'm going to pray about dinner. If I'm struggling with some bad thoughts, I'm going to pray about those thoughts. Wherever my mind goes, I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit is taking me along and just bringing those things before the Lord, and it's made a difference for that. At all times, in the Spirit, and who are you supposed to pray for? What does it say? It says, all the saints. Pray for all the saints. That's you and I and one another. We're supposed to be praying for one another. Paul immediately brings together here, as he wraps up this book, and he says the context by which are turning our hearts over and bring our days and our moments before the God, before our Lord, is supposed to involve one another. I'm supposed to bring you guys before the Lord and bring each other before God's throne. Um, and it's interesting here, it says it keeps us, um, it's, we're to do it with this in view, to be on the alert with perseverance and petition. Somehow, the ongoing habit of bringing my moments and you guys before the Lord awakens me to life that God's doing. Awakens me to the life and the work that God's doing. That's what being alert is. God, being alert isn't being startled, although we, we are maybe become alert when we get startled, but it's, it's being alive to the moment. That's what it means to be alert. So when I understand and alive to the moment, I see what God is doing, and I get brought into that place as I bring my moments to God as I bring your days before God as well, just in the normal course of my day, somehow God uses that to wake us up and bring us alive to the things that he's doing, which is exactly why, over and over again in the New Testament particularly, he talks about praying as a means by which to discover what God's doing. What's he doing? It just somehow in the manner of doing that, um, God begins to unveil himself to us um, through those things. The implication, of course, is if we're not doing that, 
we miss out on it. We don't see what's going on. We are not awake to those moments and not awake to God's work. Second of all, there's a community is experienced through the sharing of our lives. We experience community as we pray for each other. Um, so I'm not just thinking about you guys on Sunday. Um, as I think of you three weeks, we bring each other before the God. Our community grows because we're thinking of each other. We bring each other before the throne. But community has also come through as we each share our lives. It says here in verse 19, Pray on my behalf, that's Paul speaking here, that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now Paul is, is in prison at the time. He's chained up. He has no place to go. His, his world of sharing the gospel has gotten very, very small. So it's, it's, it's been brought down to the guards in his dungeon with him. He's hoping to get to go share in Rome, but he doesn't know if that's going to happen. He doesn't know what the future is. And so when he asks for boldness, he may be asking for boldness when he gets before some important people. He may just be asking for boldness to share with the guard next to him. And it's encouraging to me that even Paul needed prayer to be able to do that, um, just to be able to share. And so he's, he begins to share. He's, he's in this little place marked by chains um, with an unknown future. So he says, pray and give me boldness that I could share the gospel um, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, but that you may also know about my circumstances, verse 21, and how am I doing? He says he's going to send this beloved minister, this friend of his, Tychicus, um, to the people to tell him how he's doing. The truth is, um, Paul took the, the letter of Ephesians and the letter to the Colossian church. They were both given to Tychicus. He delivered into those churches personally. Um, and when he got there, he shared with what um, Paul was going to be doing. So there's a community experienced here as a sharing of our lives. Paul, after he says, pray for everybody, and that you should be bringing the moments of your day before the Lord, then he begins to say, I'm going to tell you what's going on with me. And so they could pray for him. How can they pray for him if they don't know what's going on? So he begins to reveal his own life. He begins to share his own needs. So he shares his needs. Um, he wants to be able to speak well. Um, there's probably a bunch of other things he wanted them to know about, but Tychicus is going to pass it along. If you remember in the book of um, 2 Timothy, he, tells Tim, he says he wants to ask for his books and his coat. So sometimes his sharing of his needs are very practical, nitty-gritty kind of stuff of the day. I'm cold. Bring me a coat. And I would like my books because it's the end of my life and I want to be able to read. Um, so he shares his needs. He shares his hopes. There's a, there's a sense here that he wants to be able to bring the gospel out, and he's hoping that that door will open for him. Um, and he shares his concerns um, for boldness, for words, and for clarity as well. And he's going to send Tychicus, actually, to go and say, there's way more for you to know about what's going on with me, so I'm going to send somebody to do it. By the way, that was not a small thing to like, run down the road and, and share the church, pass along my letter, and let him know. I mean, he's sending this guy out on a voyage, and he's going to be gone for months at a time. Um, as he takes God's word. So he goes to great lengths to want to get the word to these churches about what's going on with him. Um, and I thought, you know, I have trouble just sharing a little, a little bit of my needs to somebody else who's right next to me, much less going to great lengths to send out some kind of word um, through somebody else to get the word out. Antiochus is going to deliver this, share his needs, um, kind of give his missions minute to those churches, but it would probably be longer as he shares what's going on with Paul. And the reason he does so is so they can, with knowledge and insight, bring Paul himself 
before God's throne. And ultimately, it says down here at the end, that they may know about us and that he may comfort their hearts. As Paul shares his life with them, it's that they can actually know what's going on. And the end result is Paul gets touched because he's being prayed for, but it says the church themselves are encouraged by what they hear. Um, There's a connection that's made um, between them. So there's community through the sharing of their lives. So Paul says, pray for each other. Um, Bring your own life before before the Lord. But then he also says here, we're supposed to develop community as we share our own lives together. And I think that's why Paul closes books. He often lists names of people. He greets people. He tells people what's going on. Um, he puts it out there. And the questions that come to mind here, just two questions. One is, do I seek to know others, particularly you guys? Do I seek and take the effort and go to the, do what it takes to actually really know what's going on with everybody else? Um, and the second question is, do I share enough so when someone's trying to get to know me, do I let them in? Do I just open it up and let them in and tell them what's going on? Um, some of you guys are great at that. You are active in, um, and, and just really stepping into people's lives, and you're quick to share. Um, some of us have a great struggle with that, and we struggle to do it. And yet Paul basically says here, this is what's got to happen for us in building of our community and in the ongoing work of, of the book of Ephesians in our life. Remember we were talking about values. We talked about community and one of them, and the, the, the key line there was... Um, we cannot live out the Christian life, not only without God, but without each other. It is impossible to live out the Christian life without one another. And um, it is impossible to um, function together without us knowing each other. And that's simply the day-to-day, ongoing, taking the steps to actually enter each other's lives and allow each other to do so um, as well. If I don't share... Um, my life, the body of Christ is hindered in actually living out the very things that Ephesians talks about. The body of Christ is hindered in doing so. It's interesting, the, um, um, the desert monks, the guys that went out in the desert and lived in these caves for like their whole life, um, they, would out, they would go out there to get away from things so they could commune with God. Um, but other than a few of them, most of them ended up in these communities of monks who were trying to be alone. So they had all these caves. You actually go into Egypt and see where they are. There's like caves over where these guys lived and they were like, they had neighbors, other monks who were, whatever they were, whatever they were called, they were all trying to be alone and be in solitude, but there were all these different caves. And if you read their writings, um, you know what they wrote about almost more than anything else? Their difficulty about getting along with each other. <laughs> um, it's interesting, you actually, you read about, about them complaining about the one guy who was taking their guy's water and, and not sharing the bread and, and, and making a mess and and, and making too much noise so the guy couldn't. I mean, it's just interesting. And yet, as you read some of their writings, you discover that their greatest lessons were learned in the midst of those things happening. So even as they're trying to get away, which ultimately you get away in order to be connected is really what we're supposed to do, um, God used these connections to begin to shape them. That's where the shaping happened. And as they shared their lives, which apparently they didn't share them very well, um, God used it to actually begin to shape them as well. So... Um, Paul prays and calls us to lives of prayer and sharing our lives so that the community is developed through, um, through those things. And thirdly here, uh, community is developed through God's gifts. Community is developed through prayer. Community is developed through the uh, sharing of our lives. And community is developed through 
God giving his gifts. Verse 23, it says, Peace to be to the brethren, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, this is Paul's prayer for the Ephesian church, as well as his prayer for us. And he prays three, basically three things. He prays for peace for them. Interesting, uh, Ephesians has been full of comments about peace. Talk about Jesus being our peace. It talks about um, that Christ came and preached peace. It talked about us uh, being called to maintain the unity and the bond of peace. Um, then he talks about love here. He says that he wants them to experience love which comes from faith. And I think what that means is that when we choose to love each other in community and sacrifice each other for each other, that's not always easy, and we do it by faith. That Christ gave his life to us, so when it's not always going well, or it's difficult, or taking great sacrifice, we do it trusting that God is in the midst of that, that God is doing something with that, so we keep loving over and over and over again. So he prays for peace for them. He prays for their love. Um, this book has talked about love a number of places. Chapter 5, verse 2 tells us that we're supposed to walk in love, um, but God enables us to do that through those things. Um, the first couple verses of the, uh, of the book, it says, To the saints who are at Ephesus, in chapter 1, who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father, and begins to talk about love as well. And then thirdly, he mentions the issue of grace. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible love. And I don't think it's saying you only get grace if your love is incorruptible and you've got to come up with that. The, the, the wording here is actually, Christ has filled us with an incorruptible love. And in response to that, God pours out continual grace into our lives. And so he prays that they experience that and know his grace. Um, everything that we have, if we've seen in this book, in the first chapters of this book, has all been gifted to us by the work of God. And reminders here that God is the one who gives us peace. He's the one who gives us love. He's the one who pours out his grace. And Paul's, I think his injunction here is, as you receive those things as gifts from God, we are, through our prayer and through our connection with each other, to give those same gifts back to each other, to give those back to one another. The gifts we receive are gifts that we are to give without reservation um, back to each other. So, out of all that, what is he telling us to do? He says, learn the practice, um, and there are all different ways to learn to pray. The practice of bringing our moments before God all the time, just bringing them. You know, the first thing in the morning is um, just, God, get me out of bed and just, you know, just, just bring him in, whatever it takes. Um, the conversations we have with him where we just begin to develop and, and understand that he is really right there and that we're bringing things before him all the time. Um, we bring others before him as well. Um, we're called to do that. And the only way we can do that is if we know each other so we can actually bring somebody before God. Um, and the, the means by which you do that is for us to share what's going on with one another. And then lastly, to give these gifts that we've received of grace and peace and, and love as well. I think you guys got some cards, some little cards when you came in. If you didn't, there's some more on this table back here. Um, what I'd like you to do with those, um, what I would encourage you to do with those, um, as a, an exercise tonight, and I think actually I'm going to put, a, put this in a smaller version somewhere here so that this is an available thing for us to do on any Sunday, like we have our communion here. Um, you can do one of two things in that card. Um, and you can take it back, and i got a bunch of pens on the table during our, as we're singing in a few moments. Um, you're welcome to go back to the table and use the table there. 
um, or you can, and you can take communion as well, um, to put a prayer request on there. Um, you can do one of two things. One, you can write a word of encouragement. So there may be something that you want to encourage. So you could write a word of encouragement to them, and you could actually give them that card. Whether that person's here, whether you're going to mail it to them or see them next week, give it to them. Um, you could write a generic, general word of encouragement, a verse that you think would be encouraging to someone. And in that case, take it, write it down, stick it in the basket there. But when you stick it in the basket, take a card out as well, okay? Um, or you can share a prayer request. So a request for prayer. I put one in there already. I wrote a request, put it in the basket. Um, so if you have a, a request and you don't have to put your name on there, you can if you want. That's totally up to you. Write a request um, or even a praise. You stick it in the basket. When you stick one in the basket, take one out and take it with you. Keep it this week and um, bring it before God in your week. So, as um, Alan, you can come up with the worship team. As we're singing and um, coming before the Lord, um, as we always do, the table is here. A reminder that all that we have that we've learned in Ephesians comes by Christ's work on our behalf. Um, so you're welcome to come up and take communion. Um, you're also welcome to go back. You can use the pens back there. Um, if you want to draw a picture for somebody, you can do that as well. I'll stick it in there, and if I get a picture, I'd be very happy with that. And um, look at that. You can place those in the basket, and please take one if you put one in, and use that as a, as a, as a means and source of um, praying this week. So let's, uh, let's come before the Lord and do that. Lord, as we uh, wrap up this book, um, there has been so much here. Um, over these, basically, a half a year of teaching. Um, and uh, some of it's taken root with me, and some of it's uh, kind of fallen away and needs to be brought back. Um, the calling here, Lord, that as a church, just like this, this Ephesian church long ago that ended up dying away, um, we don't want to be like that. And that through um, our coming before you in dependence, um, developing attitudes of prayer, habits of prayer, of sharing um, openly with each other, of bringing each other before you, um, to make that a habit of our life too, that you would bind us together, that the, the truth of this book might get um, sprung open within our hearts. And we understand, Lord, even if it's in our minds sometimes and not always within our heart, that um, without each other, um, we can't live these things out. So um, for each of us in the, the unique ways each of us are built, that you would be um, connecting us together and be doing it through our lifting each other up in prayer as well. Um, thank you for the table behind me, and a reminder of the, the wonder and the good gifts that you have lavished on us um, that we get to partake of, and that it may um, propel us into... Um, a week full of moments um, paying attention to you. In Jesus' name, amen.